0: of Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the refreshing tier, uh, taste of a uh, creamy Guinness, <laughs> the official beer of Atlantis. But before you do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On
1: the, listen, on this po- podcast, we talk about Cape shit, okay? And today, we witness the ignominious, the tragic end. Of the DC Extended Universe, begun in 2013, ten years ago with Man of Steel, ended not not with a bang, but with the the whimper that is Aquaman two shoved out into theaters without a real press campaign. You know, the first trailer I think came in October, maybe just like the least hyped I eh, the movie ever. You know, is this one? Um, and I guess we're gonna talk about it. So
0: yeah, yeah. We'll, well, we'll give our pre-spoiler impressions. Um, uh, I'm interested to see what you think, because uh, you're typically more forgiving of these movies than I am, but I thought this movie was a mess, is maybe the best way to put it. Um, it's, like, a half-decent movie hiding in there somewhere, but it's, like, behind just, like, a shit pile of, like, Bathos and, uh... And like weird choices, and what I think are like, you know, weird editing decisions. Um, uh, I don't think this is quite spoilers territory, but it felt like they started writing Amber Heard out of this movie and then stopped doing that. Like, there's a couple of scenes that like don't make a lot of sense in context if Amber Heard's still around. Um, I guess we'll talk about that in the spoilers. Yeah, section.
1: I'm I'm definitely down to talk about all of this in the spoilers section.
0: Um, I, uh, oh, is there more? No, no, that's like, I thought it was bad, um, and not even, like, like, I was resentful of the Marvels. I was not resentful of this movie. Sure. I thought this movie was kind of cringy, and I thought there were some, like, good things in here that were interesting, but just kind of, like I said, like, covered by a pile of shit, but, like, I don't know. I wouldn't quite go so far as to say, call it interesting in, like, the way that, like, a bad movie could be interesting, but it's interesting in kind of, like, how did this end up this way type of thing, right? It doesn't necessarily require actually watching the movie, but, like, that's, that's that's kind of my takeaway. What are your thoughts, buddy?
1: I so thoroughly loved this movie. It's actually, like, hard for me to say, like, how much I loved this movie. I... It is the... It's the perfect movie for me. it's it's me it's for me and this is the thing <laughs> this is the thing i think it's a good, good movie. movie for you buddy i think it's great and i could probably i would go to bat for it being like a good quality picture, but in order to do so, you have to literally be in my brain because all of the things but that worked for this movie also, so much. <laughs> I know. This is like <laughs> I know. this is all the stuff you hate. Right? I know. Stuff I know. There is also there is stuff I I'm, I'm sort of dressing up. There is stuff that I hate about this movie, but there's a lot of stuff that works about this movie that it only works if you are specifically me, right? As the as the person who. Obsessed about the movie in 2018. I, you know, here, here's a better way for me to frame this. In like 2015, 2014, or something, a movie came out called Pirates of the Caribbean Five. I think it's Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Maybe is the fifth is the fifth movie in the saga. That movie had a truly baffling amount of lore callbacks to previous Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And I think we were doing the podcast at the time, and I think I said, I was like, who is this movie for? Like, who is the person who cares so deeply about, like, the intricate lore connections between, like, Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan, or whatever, who are the characters from Pirates of the Caribbean? This is the same thing, right? But it's for a movie I so deeply love every second of right and for a mythos that i so deeply love every second of that it works in so many ways that would only work for me because like you have to like walk in with that level of sort of like expectation and maybe you can make an argument that the movie is bad because of that um i kind of would say that's like i don't know i
0: don't know how we we could probably talk about how to parse that right but so, so yes, the because... reason I think this movie is bad <laughs> is not because of the level of callbacks to the first movie. The reason I think this movie is bad is for like a generic movie, bad reasons. Um, okay. I, you know, uh, that's interesting.
1: I was actually, funnily enough, I was expecting a generic movie bad, but I didn't get that. I didn't get that almost at all. I was surprised. I, maybe it's just expectations. I was surprised how well the movie hung together, how well the plot was constructed, how there were a lot of these kind of callbacks to things that were, um, you know, planting a payoff, right? Like this kind of stuff. When I, th- when I think of a bad movie, I think of movies that fail on those grounds, right? Um, you know, like on those kinds of structural grounds and Aquaman had a lot of stuff that just like, it just got the job. I don't know. It just got the job done. Um, and I don't know, we can, we can, we can talk about that. This may be the first time we've disagreed on a movie in
0: a long time, at least, at at least to this degree, because like the, the thing that threw me off the most in this movie, and maybe this was like this way in the first movie and I just forgot, but like the amount of like really bad bathos in this movie okay really really rubbed me the wrong way um and there's also some stuff in here about like i don't know maybe this is me taking the movie too seriously but there's some like bad like if you apply the lessons of this movie to a similar real world scenario the implications are very very bad but you know, Oh yeah, uh, I mean the politics know. I'm I I am very yeah.
1: interested in sort of like addressing and talking about, but well let's you know what? Listen, we can get into the we can get into the spoiler section, I guess. Um uh for the record, I guess I do recommend this movie. I, I sort of recommend this movie out of spite. This is so much better. Honestly, this is what frustrates me. It's so much better than it deserves to be. You know what I mean? If this was the flash I would probably feel different. I, I have this almost like feeling of like um Why do they promote the Flash so much? Like I I I like the Flash. We talked a lot about the Flash. I thought the Flash actually was a pretty fundamentally good movie because it was dealing with a lot of really interesting themes and it was like, you know, talking about all this other sort of stuff even though it didn't hang together in very very well at all. Um I just wish they, they uh, why, why did they promote The Flash when they could have promoted this movie? This movie actually could have, I, I don't know, that's how I feel about
0: it. Uh- <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, so, core. I will grant you that, like, promoting the, like, this movie, I will say I think this movie was better than The Flash, I was also not too up on The Flash, but that was more about, like, specific plot things that didn't drive with me in the, I think that's just like a time travel thing. Yeah. Um I also think this movie was better than the Marvels. Absolutely better than the Marvels. What other cape shit Probably this year. better th- worse than yeah, Guardians yeah. 3. Worse uh, than Guardians 3.
1: I I would actually say it's about as good as Across the Spider-Verse was. Which was a movie I didn't yeah. have problems with, but I think you would say that that's I'm way overstating it, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's insane. Okay. Um um, I don't, you know, I'm not like, I don't think across the Spider-Verse was as good as, um, Enter the Spider-Verse or whatever the first one yeah, was, yeah, yeah. but, um, I don't know, like, on a good day, I would maybe put this on par with, like, Quantumania, um. Oh, yeah, way, I would like... put this way above Quantumania,
1: um. But listen, yeah, we let's 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 get into. You want to talk about Bathos thing. first? Is this seems to be the thing spoiler, that, that
0: spoiler warning for people okay. who care.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler. I will say for the record, man, I went into this unspoiled and it was so great. But like, like again, I'll explain why in this section. But like, only me. You only get this if you're me.
0: Basically, it's kind of ridiculous. Is anyway. about Topo? Is, is it just because, like, you they didn't put Topo in, like, League of Super Pets, and he was in this movie? Well, that,
1: this is great and also true, right? Yeah, but it is not just because of Topo. Um, I mean, I could talk about that if you want to talk about, like, the spoiler stuff that makes this so good, but maybe...
0: So, so like, like I said, like, the... I'm sure the lore deep cuts were fine, right? Like I, like I said, I think there's a good movie hiding in here somewhere. I think it's just covered by a pile of shit. I think Randall Parks' character was fucking terrible. I think Orm's character was like wildly inconsistent. I think uh, I think the bathos was terrible. Like you know, like Aquaman basically being like a weird kind of dismissive dickhead for parts of the movie. It, you know. You, Aquaman himself reminds me of... This is going to be a weird cut, but this reminds me of... Um, oh, what's the character's name? Uh, he reminds me of um, the Asian character in the original Mortal Kombat. What is what is the main Asian character's name? Liu Kang? No. Yeah, Lu Kang. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he reminds me of Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat. In that, in some scenes, he's a serious guy who does serious things. In other scenes, he's like johnny cage's comic relief partner um and i felt that way about about arthur curry in this movie okay um
1: yeah because the thing the thing about the bathos i'm fine with the bathos generally speaking in this movie i mean like i don't know not all those jokes landed for me like i didn't laugh at all the jokes um but like generally speaking i was i'm fine with like this version of arthur curry though i do want to say for the record I don't like... This is not true to Aquaman. This is the same problem I have with Thor, right? Um, The Thor movies weirdly became comedic in the Marvel cinematic universe, like, like, I guess Chris Hemsworth just really liked doing shtick, and they just sort of ran with that. And I like that. It's fine, but it is not true to the comics, and this is also true of Aquaman. Aquaman in the comics is a downer. He's melancholy. He is constantly under, you know, he has the weight of the world, quite literally, right, on his shoulders, right? Two-thirds of the world is his kind of territory, and he is trying to manage, like, the xenophobic sort of um you know like i don't know just like the xenophobic like piece of shit citizenry of atlantis while also keeping them from kind of engaging in their baser instincts it's kind of like he's sort of like uh to put it in like a modern political perspective perspective it's like he's the president and he doesn't control the house or senate right this is kind of how aquaman works where he's constantly right. negotiating and compromising with a with a superstitious you know um I don't know cruel and malicious right like the people of atlantis hate the surface world they think the surface world is terrible and awful and aquaman is constantly kind of pulling them back from the brink right and all that tends to make him like i said kind of like a kind of like a downer he's quiet he's brooding um you know he is he is kind of constantly like put upon um and the heroism in that is that he perseveres because the responsibility, you know, Aquaman is all about responsibility. The responsibility sure. is the most important thing. This this is not the the character that Jason Momoa is playing. It is true to Aquaman's character in the sense that his character is also all about responsibility, right? Like the core thing, kind of at the at the beating heart of what makes Arthur Curry. Arthur Curry is responsibility. But whereas you know, in the comics, it is about um, how does Arthur kind of straddle as an outsider between you know, he's not quite a surface dweller, he's not quite an Atlantean, and he has the responsibility of create, of creating harmony between these two opposing groups, basically, right? That's the responsibility in the comics. The responsibility in Aquaman the movie is he is fundamentally an irresponsible person who is, you know, who needs to take on, who needs to learn to take on responsibility. In the first movie, is just about he is the one who can save the world right by deposing thor by by deposing orm and becoming king of atlantis in the second movie is all about him becoming you know a dad and reconciling right his broken family right um the responsibility of being a dad and you know reconciling his broken family um all of, that, all of that sort of, like, works for me, right? And the Bathos never undercuts that core of his character, even if he does make these jokes that are, I don't know, I would say sometimes cringy, right? The part where Bathos bothers me is when it is... The, the thing that is the joke, the butt of the joke, right, are the fundamental, earnest pieces of the story itself, right? It is when, in a moment of, like, tension there is a joke that diffuses the tension via anticlimax. It's the anticlimax that bothers me, right? And I never felt like there was any, you know, there were, there were no jokes in this movie that felt like they were at the expense of the drama. In fact, I would go, kind of go on to say that, like, this movie was overloaded with drama. There were like 800 plot twists where it was just like everything ramps. And there were sometimes bathos kind of mixed in there. Um, you know, there's a moment with Black Manta that you might consider to be bathos where uh, you know, Black Manta goes to punch Arthur and he just catches it and knocks him out with like one punch. But like that is not that that is a moment that's funny, but it's in the midst of all of this sure. drama. And it's not like it's making fun of that drama. Do you know what I mean? Because there's... This is literally... There is a new huge issue that he has to deal with and he then goes and deals with that thing. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Um, So, like, I I get what you're saying. Um, I do get what you're saying. And I think I mostly agree with you. Um... On those aspects i think there were just like a lot of jokes what i think my 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 fundamental issues with the films are less about the like less about like that undercutting aspect I'll, i'll i'll give you that and more about just kind of like how things are plotted out and like when they choose to drop jokes also just like things that i think are just like stupid right like like the joke where his kid pees on him like seven different times <laughs> yeah, and then Mira like yeah. water bends the pee on him. It's like, <laughs> <was> like, what? <laughs> um but like you know like uh, just uh, like I said, I think the other things are a little bit bigger. Also just kind of like things like the plot feels like it's a it's a mess to me, right? I feel like there's a way to like wade your way through this plot and make it make sense. But like like I, like I said in the, in the beginning part it feels like in that opening scene they had started writing out Amber Heard right he does a toast to single parents which feels like it's meant to be a toast to like him and his dad as both as single parents but you know like Mira is like Mira is suspiciously out of that scene for like the entire that o- entire opening scene and then she, like, is in Atlantis and, like, you know, nothing is made of it again. And I was like, when are they going to, like, explain that she died? Is she going to die here? Like, that's another thing. Is they don't kill anyone, right? Like, you know, I see I see Black Manta. I see his wife. I see his son and he's like, this is one of the things I know. I know how this goes. And then, like, I one, they don't kill Mira. Two, I see that, like, I see that in that opening scene with the pirates, no one has a gun. Which is, like, that's just, like... I know this is like a nitpicky thing, but it's like, how do fucking pirates take over a sea sh- ship, like a sea cruiser without any firearms? And I realized <laughs> the only firearms in this movie are like laser guns. And there's gotta be a reason for this. I did not look it up. It's like, is this movie rated like PG or something? It, Was this like <laughs> filmed within like the six months following Rust and no one wanted to have a real gun on set, like, what the fuck happened with this, like, what, the, what what happened that that happened? Do you you know any of this stuff, like, behind the scenes?
1: No, I mean, I do know that it's PG-13, so, you know, like, you have to cut a lot of stuff to, to make PG-13. One of the things that I was thinking that they might do is cut Aquaman's hand off, because it's, like, another piece of, like, you know, sure. like, um. do you remember in the Cross the Spider-Verse, they talk about these canon events, right, and how, like, right. when Stacy dying, it's like, a, or I'm sorry, I guess they're talking about Captain Stacy dying, it's like a Spider-Man canon event. One of the canon events for Aquaman is that his hand gets chopped off right and he replaces it with the hook the harpoon um right i thought they might do that but then i was like this is a pg movie they're a pg-13 movie they're not gonna do that though i will say i do think it is a true ding to the movie that nobody dies um i thought his mom was gonna die i thought his dad was gonna die i thought orm was gonna die um i thought mira would have died i would have been pissed to be honest if mira died um you know but they didn't they pulled back from literally all of those right every single one of those people gets a life-threatening injury and then recovers
0: (laughs) yeah no i mean like that's the other thing too right like is if they they didn't fake it out i feel like i might have felt better about it that but that also feels like a thing that they like it feels like they filmed both ending, like, both versions of that and decided which one to do afterwards, right? Like, and like you said, this is the end of the DCEU. They could do whatever the fuck they want, right? Like, maybe they can't, like, kill Arthur Jr. for the ratings, but, like... That's what happens. That's what happens in the in the comic books, right? Is yeah, is, no, is that's this, that's what I'm talking about when I
1: said that you all, like that. This stuff I feel like only works if you know this, right? Like that moment, I th- I thought they were going to do it. To be honest with you, I if you had but asked I, me in the I theater, would say,
0: I think that makes it worse, right? Like the fact that I knew that like cuts the legs out from under it. If I didn't oh, know that, that he was supposed to die, like. If I didn't know that they were supposed to die, I would have been like, "Okay, it's a it's a superhero movie. Nobody ever really dies." But me knowing that they're dying, like especially with with Mira, right? With Mira, I was like like that cut the legs out of the stakes. A lot of the stakes of the movie for me right there cuz I like I know that she's supposed to die and she doesn't die there. And it's not even like they leave it ambiguous, right? They show you her in the hospital bed, right? Like Well, first of all, wh- wh- me- hold on.
1: Mira doesn't die. Why, why do you think she she's doesn't? supposed to die? She doesn't die in the comics. In the comics, the I kid thought, dies. Okay. Arthur Junior dies, right?
0: Okay. But to me, Maybe and that's...
1: this is to me, this is this was genius, right? Or I don't know. It just worked for me really well because I was like, if you would ask me in the theater, I would have said, "They're gonna kill the. They're going. To, this is the canon moment, right? Aquaman's infant son is murdered by Black Manta, right? That you know, that's technically what happens. In the, it's much more complicated in the comics. And to be frank, those comics aren't great, right? But like. If you if like you are a person reading an Aquaman comic in whatever, it is pretty common that they will reference how his how his son was killed, right? Um, right. And I so I went in, I was ex- that was the, was the thing I was expecting. So when Arthur Jr. lived, that was the plot twist, right? Like that that functioned as the plot twist for me personally because I had that extra sort of you think maybe this is just a matter of like i was swept up in the movie though do you know what i mean like i was just kind of like in it and so like i don't know that was a moment that i i was like freaking out i thought i thought they were gonna kill the baby Cause you can do yeah, that in I like there's the thing. It's like you can do that in a PG thirteen way, right? Like he puts the baby off, you know, like off frame, right? And then the knife comes down, and you know what happens because like the 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 crying baby's crying stops, and you know what happened, and you go, oh my fuck. But like obviously that's not how that happened. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I also I also think I also felt like I knew that that was not going to happen the like because the moment the tone of the movie was like this goofy antics type thing okay right like you can't go from like you know you know huh, huh, aquaman makes orm eat a cockroach to like murdering a literal literal baby right like you just can't do that in the same movie uh, you know um, what
1: okay also fair
0: um and so, and like or like, um, I think the bigger thing too is like Rand- Randall Park's character is just a little too much for me, right? A little too, a little too goof, goof goofball shoes for me, especially because you know he's getting like you know the the what is it the heel face turn at some point, right? And like I appreciate the kind of like you know, oh you know I am going to you know hit Black Manta with a bomb instead, you know that that all works. Uh, I th- I think that as an arc works for me, but I also like I don't know things felt too mixed to me. Um. God, what was the other thing? Um, about. Um, I also thought Orm was like weirdly, like, I will say inconsistently characterized. Oh, okay, like, this is really interesting. Oh, uh, w-
1: w- explain w- what is the what is the
0: inconsistency in your mind? Um. I have no reason to believe that Orm is ever going to betray Aquaman, like at all, like. Like, the movie tells me, like, what is it? Narius says that, you know, you should watch out for him, right? Like, but that's the only thing that tells me that he's going to do anything. And then, like, the one moment where maybe he could, he doesn't actually, like, you know, betray Narius, right? I thought that moment was also out of character, like, was, like, not in character for him. Like, the character that they set him up for in the beginning part of this movie is, you know... essentially kind of like lawful evil almost, right? Like, you know, bad dude, but, like, very dedicated to Atlantis and its goals and making sure that it can be a superpower, right? He said, when he says, you know, you know, when this is over, I will surrender myself to the fishermen because that is what it it, it will take to maintain diplomatic relationships between Atlantis and fishermen, and this this is how I honor Atlantis, right? And so, to me, it was never, like, a question that he would, like, you know, do the right thing One, do the right thing in the end. And two, like, it did not, I was not convinced that he, that he was going to, um, that, that like, it was not convincing to me that he was tempted by the Black Trident, just like straight up. Like they were maybe too good to his character earlier in the movie. They gave him like no kind of like,
1: I was okay. I I think I understand what you're saying, but isn't the problem then consistency and not inconsistency? Right. If if the whole movie is showing you that Orm, I would describe or I, 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 you know, that Orm is lawful, evil, neutral. Right. Sure, I would probably yeah, yeah. say lawful, neutral. Right. He is not like Emperor Palpatine. Um, He's not he's not acting on selfish I mean, he, regards. Right. But he is a lawful, neutral villain.
0: Uh, this is an argument about lawful, evil and lawful, neutral means, right? Sure. Like, Whatever the case may be. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. He's lawful is, is the thing, right? Um, he demonstrates in a number of different places where he is willing to, you know, like where he commits to sort of this stuff. And then at the very end of the movie, there is a temptation that he doesn't go through. Right. And it's, and the problem is that the temptation doesn't sell you. Right. That's because he has been too consistently set up as he is, a good guy, and he's not going to betray his brother for the temptation to feel like an actual escalation of tension. You know how that's going to go, right? To me, that sounds like he's too consistent, so the temptation doesn't feel authentic.
0: Okay, so that's fair. the way I, The way I think I'll point this out is that like, it expects me to believe that it's an option that he would that he would like, you know, leave okay. Nereus to die, sure. and he also it also expects me to like, because he does briefly succumbed to the temptation i didn't even buy that what i thought was going to happen was like you know was instead of like you know thought they were going to kill orm i thought he was going to be like you know you know i thought they, I thought they were going to do the frozen throne thing right because it looks like the fucking frozen throne it was like someone has to hold the black trident and sit on like you know the frozen throne and it's going to be orm i also right? thought this by the way and i
1: i would have said by the way that would have been a better ending and i wish they did it but but they didn't And I think this is still an okay... I think the ending that Orm got, I like his cheeseburger ending. I think it's great. It's, like, perfect for this character. I do want to say for the record, Orm is also very different than what he is in the comics, but I like this version. Frankly, I think I like this version of Orm better. Orm in the comics is just truly power-hungry, right? He is just the jealous younger brother, and that's that's it he deposes aquaman and he continues to try and depose aquaman for the rest of his life and he has no depth or anything beyond that at all this version of orm i think is this is my platonic ideal this is what i've always wanted orm to be basically um you know, where his dedication is to Atlantis, and he is the personification of all those things, those negative things I said about Atlantis before, superstitious, traditional, he hates the surface world for all these other, you know, like, for all these reasons. Um, and this is the movie where he gets to kind of, like, come around. Um, this, in a certain sense, almost feels like new canon, to be honest, right? Like, if I were writing Aquaman today, I would write this version of Orm, because he's better and more interesting than, like, the version that's been in the comics for forever, even as a deep you know aquaman fan who loves you know aquaman in those comics um and uh yeah i don't know i to be, I also for the record all of this worked for me i also knew that orm was not going to take it but like the to me the temptation was like uh it was like the ring you know what i mean because like even even arthur was feeling it right you know there was with the swirling heads and the you know whatever Cor- cordax is trying to influence both of them or whatever to me it's just like this is the most magical sort of temptation, but in the same way that I know that you know whatever Superman is going to punch general Zod to death, right or whatever um, and 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 win i I know that Orm is not gonna succumb to the to the temptation
0: so uh, that, that that's that is the problem, right like even if my intellectual mind knows that like the good guy is going to win. Right, you have to convince me in the moment that it's possible that he couldn't, and that didn't happen to me for Orm, and like the temptation did happen, seemed to be wildly out of character for the Orm that was in this movie, um, and that that that, that specifically didn't didn't work for me, um. But you know, there, like I said, there there are worse things in this movie, the the. the, the I don't know. Just the the movie just didn't work for me in in a lot of ways, and I I guess the way that that it worked for you. So why why don't you talk about some things you liked about this movie? So I've basically been bitching. for
1: I mean that stuff. Like that stuff was good. Another huge thing for me is Black Manta. I loved Black Manta in this movie, and it's entirely because of the Zeitgeist. Black Manta is just fueled by petty revenge (laughs) to the last. This is I talk all the time about the difference between a hero and a villain. Heroes heroes change. Villains don't. Right. And the archetypal way that, that these stories work... And the original Aquaman is actually a really good example of this. The archetypal way that these stories work is... The hero confronts the villain early in the story and loses. And then the hero changes... And because of that change, they are able to grow, become a better person, right? And unlock a new level of potential so so that when they fight the hero, when they fight the villain again, they win, right? In the original Aquaman, he faces off against Orm in the, you know, in the pit of fire and he gets fucked, right? Mira has to bail him out. And they mentioned that in this movie. Um, But Aquaman has to go through the process of realizing that... One, he needs to take this responsibility seriously. He's been irresponsible this whole time. He needs to, you know, actually understand what's at stake. Um, and two, he has to understand that his, hum- like the thing that is driving his sense of irresponsibility, this kind of like self deprecation or whatever is also sort of humility. And by accepting that humility, he becomes King of Atlantis. He gets like the, the thing or whatever. Cause that's the thing that he says to the, to the Kraken, the Kraken says, Hey, why are, why are you worthy of Atlan's trident? And he says, I, i'm not but if i don't get this trident then the oceans you know are gonna like destroy the people of the surface world and i can't let that happen and the kraken's like good answer right and it's that kind of thing of like uh you know it's like in indiana jones or whatever right where it's the it's the humble chalice that's the actual holy grail you know it's the unsuspecting answer is that the kraken was was essentially looking for um this is this our character. Arc, this this our character arc works out. Villains don't do this. They do not change, right? A villain, when presented with the opportunity to change, typically would face oblivion, and that's exactly what happens, right? Black Manta falls down this hole. Aquaman reaches down to to save his life, right? Which was the thing, by the way, that he refused to do to Aquaman's dad in the first place. He, you know. Obviously, I complained about that whole thing being stupid and convoluted. I wish it wasn't. I wish he just fucking killed Black Man's dad. That's what happens in the comics, and it's awesome. But, but, whatever. Sure, it's a movie. The thing that he is guilty of is not saving the life when he had the opportunity to, right? And he corrects on that mistake here by offering to save Black Manta's life and because Black Manta is a good villain who is committed to his bullshit to the very end he would rather fall into oblivion than accept help from the man he has convinced himself that you know he needs to literally destroy the whole world to kill right and I also just appreciated that there's no good there's no goodness to you know like there's no sympathetic Magneto you know Killmonger Thanos of oh well if I global warming I'm gonna
0: I don't there's know. global warming in this it's just like not actually the the plot of the movie weird like <laughs> yeah because yeah. like you know for those
1: of you who haven't seen the movie um part of what he's doing is burning orcalcum right this special you know fuel that is like a super giga fossil fuel i guess it's like pump it's it's heating up the whole world because he's trying to unfreeze you know the lost kingdom in, in, in antarctica basically right um He's not doing that for any altruistic reason. There is no reason for him to do that except for his own personal vendetta against Aquaman because he feels like Aquaman killed his dad. And so... There I it was just it was so nice seeing a villain like that, right, for once instead of some villain who's like doing, you know, just like these weird trolley problem there's no trolley problem. That's really what it comes down to. So fucking trolley problem. This is not a trolley problem movie. Black Manta's just a piece of shit, okay? He's just a piece of shit with cool ass lasers and he fights with a black trident and that shit's cool. <laughs> like
0: Yeah, no, I you know, that is, that is, that is fair, I guess. Yeah, no, I, so I will say I, I don't really have any problems with Black Manta directly. Like, most of my problems in the villain side of the movie are with... Dr. Shin. The go- yeah, the, with with the goofy kind of side characters, and also with, like, I don't know, like, there's, there's just some, like, weird, like, individual moments that were weird to me, like... Like, I'm not convinced that, like, the whales singing at the Sono Cadden shouldn't just work every time in the first place. But, you know, that's, like, that's, like, a very nitpicky thing. That um, is
1: maybe my favorite detail. And I'm not going to go into de- I'm not going to go too deep into this because Rachel is behind me. And I think that detail is going to be the funniest thing that she ever sees. Just remind me in, like, two weeks to mention this, and I will explain why this is so fucking funny. (laughs) But that detail, I love that detail just because it's funny. It's also very classic Aquaman. This is the kind of stuff that I think most people would agree with you, and they would find kitschy and dumb and lame, right? Because this is like... This is it. It's it's just like not as cool as like I don't know other superpowers are cool I guess. But this is like traditional Aquaman stuff, right? Sure. Um, and frankly, this has been missing from both movies for uh, finding interesting ways to use his ability to talk to animals is something that wasn't really in either of these movies. This is kind of a passable attempt
0: at it, right? So, so my issue with this is not is not that it's not cool or interesting it's that if it's this is like a classic kind of like cinema cine type problem or like a plot holy type problem it's like you know this is like why hasn't the time turner solved every problem ever in harry potter right like it's like if you think about the implication the wider ranging implications of the use of this power why is like why aren't true problems not trivial? I understand. I why? understand exactly. Yeah.
1: For instance, one of the things that happens in Aquaman comics is, um, you know, like Plankton, like Fido, you know, Plankton, super small. There's like a fight where he like, I guess he kind of paralyzes. Somebody. He like he like makes someone start convulsing into seizures, right? And it's because he floods their brain. You know, their breathing. You know, it's another Atlantean. They're breathing in seawater, and he's like putting extra plankton in their seawater, and it gets to like a concentrated point in their brain. And he basically like tells the plankton to like fuck him up, basically. Uh, It's a comic. It's not like super well detailed what he does, but yeah. And it's just like, boy, if Aquaman can just fucking like brain melt anybody, why doesn't he do that every time? Right? It's that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, or, like, well, well, why doesn't Mira just, like, pull the blood out of people, right? Like, that, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> then I don't know if, like, she is able, you know, like, usually you get around this by being, like, I can't do that for some reason. But the moment you, like, you know, you do it once, right? Like, I think there's, like... This is, like, hold on maneuver,
1: maneuver a... kind of, like, stuff. Right? Yes, yes, yes,
0: exactly. That, that is a great example, right? Like, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, there's um, actually a really good example for, for me in this
1: one, which is, why doesn't he use the fucking Kraken? The whole, the whole thing in the end of the last movie is that he comes out in the middle of this huge-ass war with all of the creatures in the trench and the Kraken in order to just, like, kick the shit out of everybody. And you'd think, like, boy, Aquaman with a fucking Kraken, who he can just summon at will, giant fucking sea monster, right? That seems pretty dangerous. Also, there's clearly a bunch of sea creatures that are, like... In here, can he not talk to those creatures? Because, like, they're frozen in the ice? Are they also undead? None of that stuff gets explained. I would probably grant all of these criticisms. This is kind of what I mean when I say that, like, I do do think the movie has problems and is worse than something like Guardians 3, right? Um, But, yeah, Yeah. anyway,
0: yeah. No, no, so I I absolutely agree. I also feel like, you know, I guess part of the thing that bothered me about is it felt like they took a decent movie and ran it through a marvel filter right that's where i think a lot of these jokes came from it's like everybody liked the brian king in the last movie that was super cool let's do three times as much brian king and not think about it at all just throw the brian king in and have him have a couple of (laughs) lines right like (laughs) he's a cool character no i think the brian king's a cool character but it definitely felt like you know fan favorite gets an extended kind of take because you know he was a fan favorite sure right not because like he actually had a place in the plot um that kind of thing
1: yeah but oh god there's so much stuff that in that because this is the the thing that i was afraid of i thought that maybe the, mo- the movie didn't have a budget and so they couldn't go to like the gonzo degree this is the, the thing that i think makes aquaman 2018 a good movie is essentially the imagination of it right i talk about how big it feels compared to everything you know that's the thing that it does that it's kind of like new and novel especially when so many of these other sort of like superhero movies feel so weirdly small and contained in comparison but i felt like this delivered on that right um and uh and part of it is i just i think is maybe down to like the raw Action? I don't know, this is a bigger point than just the Brian King. But, um yeah, I don't know. I felt like it delivered on that. But I do see what you mean about, like, the Brian King is a fan favorite, so he shows up a whole bunch, and he's constantly doing shtick. When, honestly, I would probably also count this against the movie, because the Brian King is cool in Aquaman 2018, and everybody liked him, but I didn't like it because he was doing shtick. You know what I mean? Like him being comic relief actually kind of ruins it a little bit for like him specifically.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I I would agree with that. Like it's you no, know, it's because he is like a serious character that just like happens to be like a little goofy in like presentation rather like. Like. the kind of like Monty Python level bit of like, you know, I lost my claw. I grew up back. I lost my claw again. Like that really like is just kind of like. Uh, not my favorite. Not my favorite at all.
1: Okay, um, yeah. I think, honestly, part of that is that there wasn't, maybe Nereus is supposed to be the, like the straight man. I think part of why I'm forgiving of the humor is because it's a straight man comic routine between sure. Aquaman and Orm. Right? Because Orm is just a straight man the whole time. And so Aquaman is doing shtick and then Orm is there and he's like, Papa. And like that, you know, that works. That's just like normal stuff. And they're also kind of keeping it contained, right? Like it's not really in the big scenes of like maximum drama. And then there is also underneath the shtick, right? There is also true drama and character, right? That's coming out. The stuff about them being brothers and having to sort of like reconcile all of, I would like, if you take out all of those, those scenes in the movie, then the final scene with their fighting over the black trident doesn't work. Right. Because it works based on the connection that they've been able to forge and the connection, even though it's had in these kind of bathos adjacent scenes, it's like tricks his you know brother into eating a cockroach or whatever, <laughs> which I actually thought that bit was pretty funny. Um, uh, that 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 is part of what makes the bathos work for for me in the movie, right? It, I feel like when Marvel bathos is bad, if I were to take the bathos out, the movie is fine. It's better even, right? Because it's not constantly like kind of getting at the getting at the the underlying drama and the themes and story and stuff that's going on. In this version, the bathos is still a part of the supporting structure of the movie in in its kind of totality,
0: right? Yeah. I, I get that.
1: Maybe the jokes are just I get, bad.
0: I, I also, I, I think there are particular. I, I think it's not an all or nothing thing, right? mm. Like there are like, the when I think about the things that like really struck me the wrong way is like you know, is, is like. Aquaman, who's supposed to be on the super stealthy mission, because if the Fisher people find out, then like it's gonna cause like all this political chaos in Atlantis. Right, is like, come on, castaway, we gotta get out of here, right? Like that rubbed me wrong. Orm, like starting to Naruto run, and like Aquaman <laughs> having to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like that worked for me. That's what that was good. Yeah, I, also thought that, I think it's yeah. I think
1: maybe what I would say is I think some of the jokes are just bad, maybe because I yeah, think I'd that's... probably agree with those two things. And to me, the difference there is one of those jokes is kind of cringe, and the other one is actually funny, which okay. is maybe just like I don't know, telling Jason Momoa to do improv eight times over the course of the movie comes away with five duds and three bangers and that's kinda like <laughs> you know, that's kinda what you work with. There was like this thing where he was talking about like the butthole or whatever and I was just like, What are we talking about? What is going on here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I think I think uh I think, I think I think I think you're probably right there. Um oh that was another thing is I'm sure I heard this wrong. But when he's beating up the pirate, pirates, I thought he told, like, he called the pirates cum lickers, which is clearly <laughs> not what he said. It's probably, like, scum or
1: something like that. Chum lickers. He's calling them <laughs> chum because it's a fish thing. <laughs>
0: cum oh, my God. <laughs> he's saying
1: it to his 2 pink kid. Oh my God! Holy shit! Okay. Ah, uh, so does does the context of um of Mira not dying in the comics does that change the way that you look at sort of like her character or
0: a little a little bit? Yeah. No. I mean, I, I think I, I, I think my bigger issue with her is it felt like they were trying to write her out for parts of it and like change their mind again halfway through that. If that makes sense.
1: I was I was one of the things I was actually mad about in the movie. To be fair, I there's a part of me that wants to be permissive because um. The movie doesn't have to be about them. The first movie is about him and Mira because Mira is sort of the agent of of change, right? He, she is the one who convinces him to take his role seriously. She is essentially the person who says you need to take responsibility, and like is part of that character arc. And as they fall in love or whatever, um, that's how he is able to sort of like fully realize this stuff. It's when Mira gets hurt, right? Um, that he's like, oh my God, th- like this is serious, right? Um, you, because of what I did, because of my irresponsible actions, you could have gotten, you could have gotten hurt and I can't deal with that. And I think that like, you know, this is, this is part of the the first movie. The second movie doesn't have to be about him and his wife, right? They can, she can just kind of be a background character. It's about him and his brother. And I was trying to sort of be permissive about that through like the first half of the movie, but it really did feel like a whole, um, Because one of the things that I think makes Aquaman unique is Mira, and, um, to be honest, Mira is so much better in the comics just because she's, like, she's, like, able to do cool... She's brutal in the comics. She, like, kills people and fucks people up. I think I mentioned this last time, uh, in the storyline Blackest Night, where, um... You know, it's like Green Lantern shit or whatever. And there's a bunch of, like, there's a bunch of superheroes who get different powers. Superman gets the Ring of Hope. Wonder Woman gets the Ring of Love. Mira gets the Ring of Anger. And she becomes a Red Lantern for the duration of Blackest Night because she's just that, like, brutal and mean and angry. And there are, like... There are just a lot of moments where even in the Lost Prince storyline, like the storyline where her son gets killed, right? Aquaman kind of mopes around for a couple of issues, and it's Mira who is the one who's like actually going and hunting Black Manta because she's like, you killed like my fucking kid, right? And for a while I thought that I also sort of thought that they were writing her out of the movie, especially because she gets like blasted in the chest and put in that like jellyfish pod or whatever. And I was like, oh, I understand, right? This is just like caving to public pressure and they're just gonna like write her out of the movie, even though this is insanely out of character and also insanely dumb because obviously you know she's gonna want to she's gonna want to have a stake in protecting atlantis but then that didn't happen right you know she saves his life she comes in she's part of the big final battle uh you know she's constantly shown really caring about you know him and 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 her son and i was just like thank you god to be honest with you thank god that they actually sort of delivered at least in sort of the back half so i think i understand what what you're saying um because i did feel that kind of in like the middle of the i don't know like in the middle of the movie but um i don't know i guess i would say that they saved it in the end for me because she actually got to show up and do stuff
0: yeah, no, no, it, it is not like obviously i don't have the same type of background with the story as you and it could have gone either way for me right i as wanted it to feel like it was written consistently and it didn't right like i said that opening scene where like she's just like not around at the lighthouse at all and it feels weird is like um and he like makes a single dad comment right is like um that just that that is not a problem directly with the plotting that's a problem kind of i guess with like the like not a problem with the plot it's a problem with the writing if that makes sense Mm -hmm. i think or like maybe it's like the editing or the cut or something it, like and that. Again, that's not a problem with, um, yeah, no, um, and just other like like I said, it, it felt like they they pulled their punches a lot in in this movie in a lot of different ways. But you know, I don't think any of that's in, insurmountable. I just didn't particularly enjoy it i thought it. yeah i mean i i'm a
1: little i'm a little not sure how much i want to get into this but part of this is also that i just like i think i would have been pissed if they did cave to like the public pressure around like amber heard being amber heard or whatever um just because like
0: i don't know i don't want to get into this
1: Whatever the case no, may be, I'm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it,
0: it's fun. Like I, I do, I, do not care about the specifics of that culture war. Right? Yeah, I just, the, I, I just I care insofar as it affects the story. Right? I like, just know I out with a different person. I don't care. Yeah, it is the
1: kind of thing that I have seen so much of um because you know like you know how like you know like you're on Twitter or whatever, you're on Facebook and it'll recommend you things because it knows what you like and you care about, right? I click on links about Aquaman and so I get Aquaman trending in the sidebar and for a while I just couldn't I just like couldn't even click on it because every time I did it was just like you know, it's just stuff about her and this and this court case and not even I you know what i don't i i just don't want i don't want that to like affect these things right i it's important to me that the character is a part of the story and um uh i don't know i' yeah i i'm dancing around this like as hard as i possibly can it really would have bothered me if Mira got cut out of the movie because of like a weird controversy yeah, with, with the actress right yeah and it's not even like I don't know, like uh, you know, Jonathan Majors obviously just got recast, right? Uh, or not Did even he recast. recast. He got he got fired. Right, um, yeah. He just got completely dropped by Marvel because he lost his you know his court case for um, for assault. That to me is like perfectly fine and reasonable, and I think that that's a that's a good uh, kind of solution. Um, but you know, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I guess probably because I have just been reading these really like angry sort of i don't i almost want to call them like disinformation tweets or whatever about people who are begging warner brothers to either recast or drop amber heard from the movie that she shot three years ago right you know it's just like can we like not deal with this
0: Ah, it's the last thing yeah yeah i mean they put out a movie with two ezra millers um (laughs) you know so yeah i mean the problem is
1: Yeah, you know what? I don't want to talk about this. We can just
0: move yeah, yeah. On. <laughs> let's let, let's talk about the other thing that I thought was weird about this movie. Okay, and the bothered me, which is like uh, vaguely in the same kind of like sphere, which is like the I don't want to call it like the the politics of the movie, but like the political theory maybe of the movie, which seems to be like you know, if the monarch is convinced of his righteousness, he should use his will to power <laughs> to like overrun everything else and just do what the thing that he thinks is right. Yeah, he was like,
1: fuck democracy, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Also, it is okay for the president to commit crimes when it is, you know, politically advantageous (laughs) for you to go free your brother from, you know, like the neighboring kingdom to use him to go track down Black Manta or whatever. Yeah. um... Yeah.
0: (laughs) So the, the, the scene I think that really like drove this home for me is a scene with, in like the, uh, the criminal kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, this is, and like, if I'm going to put it in like, like, first of all, I actually did kind of like the scene. I like the kind of like Star Wars-y feel of it, right? It felt like, you know, like the cantina or something, right? But it's like, it's literally like, you know, Orm is the realist, right? Orm understands that like, sometimes <laughs> you have to like, you know, deal with reality and like, you, you can't be an idealist. And he's wrong. Aquaman should have just punched him from the beginning, right? Like, that would have, like, solved the problem, right? I'm just kind of, like, I don't, like, you know, this is, is like, Superman is a good dictator levels of, like, I can't, I can't, you know... Bothers me from like I said for like a political theory level, which I don't want to hold against the movie too much, cause like you know this level of like yo bro, it's a PG thirteen superhero movie, it's not. Yeah, that it's deep. like
1: it's like Lord of the Rings is not a monarchist film, right? You know, like it is yeah. not a film about how monarchy is good. It's a film about friendship, right? And you know the and extreme. Honor and and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all of that stuff, right? And you know, I we would probably say that for instance Aragorn becoming king at the end of the movie right like this isn't any kind of it's it's like you know you could make a weirdly eugenicist argument about that because the blood of Numenor and stuff like that and technically like Boromir and Denethor don't have the blood of Numenor and so they're evil and it's like it's just like the, the movie's not about any of these things right it is it is just a a straight you know kind of fantasy mythological tale about other stuff and I kind of feel like this movie is in the same sort of place right the laws of atlantis are built to be and you know like a stakes raising impediment right it's not it's not making comment on you know whether or not it's okay to have monarchies in in the modern world though it is obviously super funny when the ending of the movie is aquaman addressing the united nations
0: (laughs) that that is the thing that I will say, separates it from something like Lord of the Rings, right? Like, Lord of the Rings does not come to us and, like, does not put in front of us that, like, you know, um, it it, it doesn't say that the men of the East are evil because they're dark-skinned, right? It says to us that the men of the East are evil because they pledge their loyalty to Sauron. Yes, correct. Like, this movie kind of does say that Aquaman is right to, like, to... To override these people, to override the things that he thinks are bad, which I think is, like, not a great message. And I don't think it's the primary focus of the movie, but it is, like, a a thing that is presented as a good thing in the movie that bothers me a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) You know what?
1: Yeah, that's true. It is pretty funny. It would be funny if Aragorn were to come address the United Nations. (laughs) i'm having like a robot chicken skit like play out in my head you know like (laughs) frodo and sam are like trying to give u.n you know like get u.n resolutions passed or something (laughs) anyway yeah um uh yeah i think the other thing about like the politics um of this is just like when it comes to sort of like the global warming piece of it this is a common thing in aquaman stories and frankly I think it always sucks even as like a like an Aquaman fan. I what I, I'm sorry. I don't think it always sucks. Here's what here's what I think sucks. When it is used to be weirdly sort of preachy or you know, I don't know, like make some sort of extra comment on things. That's the problem when it to you know, to me. When Aquaman says in this final thing with like the UN stuff or whatever, when he's talking about, like, oh, destroying, you know, like, oh, we're, you know, gonna, we're destroying the world with global warming and and we need to, like, band together to, to to sort of, like, stop that. There's a part of that that just kind of, like, does get under my skin in, like, a, I don't know, just, like, a, it's, like. Is it like, too woke for you, buddy? It's almost too, too it's too real for me. It sort of breaks my suspension of disbelief in a yeah. weird way. What I like about it, what I like about it is the doomsday clock, right, saying you know the that the the villain of the movie is doing this thing that is catastrophically affecting the climate of the sure. world. He's going to blow up the world by essentially using global warming. Okay, sure, I'm fine with that, right? But it's not like staking like a moralistic position. It's not like trying to convince me that global warming is bad. It's not like you know, like Al Gore. Not that I think that the movie goes to that like level and yeah. is that level of preachy. Just that it kind of like it gets a little to the edge there. Um, and there are Aquaman comics and Aquaman stories that go over that edge that kind of do like bother me, right? Um, like for instance, one of the things I like about the Aquaman stories that fulfill this sort of political thing um, is the tension between, you know, kind of you have like the secular surface and sort of the superstition. I, I keep saying superstition, but it's like it's almost religious. It's co- it's like it's so complicated in in like the super comics. But the reason that Atlanteans fucking hate the surface world is because of global warming, and that makes a lot of sense. That's great, right? Because it gives the reason for this populace who are you know xenophobic and bigoted and hateful right a reason to be all of those things and create tension in Aquaman's life where he is trying to be like I said this this balancing act between you know kind of like between the two worlds The 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 fact that you know you have one group of people who are you know fundamentally like innocent and naive and ignorant but also you know kind of destroying the planet and another group of people who are angry malicious right um uh kind of irrationally you know uh kind of like mob like a, like an irrational mob kind of thing um but they but they are for a very good reason that's a good dynamic right when it comes to the politics and there's a lot in aquaman stories that deals with the very specific nature of that politics right where he is you know dealing with insurrectionist coups against his rule because people don't like a surface dweller right one of the core things in aquaman mythos that is not carried forward into the movies is that um he was actually born in Atlantis but the and and he 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 is born in Atlantis, but cast out because he has blonde hair, and blonde hair is seen to be like this is the superstitious part. It seemed to be like an omen of bad things, right? They are literally killing babies that have blonde hair because of because of this, you know, or whatever. And so that he is this like exile, outcast king, all this other kind of stuff. Um, I. I wish there was more of that in this in this movie, and I think that they were close to it. I like the stuff with the house, for instance. That was that was like really true Aquaman shit. Um, even though it was, the uh, council? yeah, the council. It was mostly just you know, it was mostly just sort of set dressing for the beginning of the movie. It wasn't, it didn't really go anywhere, and that was kind of fine, right? Um, I'm not, I'm not bent out of shape about it, but like that was the stuff that I liked, I guess, about like the overall political structure of the movie.
0: Yeah, no, I. I think there was interesting stuff there. I could have done a whole movie of like you know Atlantean political intrigue. I actually think, while I was watching, it, I thought like this could have been a very cool like prestige series, right? Like you know, Atlantean um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, not not. I mean, just even the whole movie, right? Like just like you know, oh, sure. different pieces where you do each part, and like the movie ends with the with the with the final confrontation because things did feel a little rushed. Um, but you know. Yeah,
1: I do want to say for the record we glossed over it but it would have been a way better ending if there must always be a de- first of all Kordax is not the Dead King. The Dead King is another Aquaman villain, but they're aping the Dead King. Um, the Dead King is actually Atlan himself. In the actual Aquaman comics, the the whole stuff with Atlan and Kordax is actually reversed. Kordax is the true king. Atlan is the usurper, essentially, um, because it mirrors what goes on with Aquaman and Orm, where Atlan kind of comes from, from outside. And there's this lost history between them where technically the bloodline should have followed Cordax's line, not Atlin's line, but like they rewrote essentially Atlantean history in order to kind of uh lionize Atlin and and vilify Cordax. And then um uh Kordax is the, you know, is like, is the dead king. Like I said, all that stuff is sort of reversed, but whatever the case may be. Um, That's what they're, that's what they're like, sort of aping. I feel like you could have done, you could have done so much shit just with, just with that, right? Um, And the idea that there has to be somebody who, you know, like, sits on this frozen throne with the ice trident, or with the black trident, like Frostborn that would have been so fucking cool. I probably would have lost my shit if that, that would have, would would have such a perfect end for Orm, right? Because that's exactly his character. It's like, I care about Atlantis, I'm, I'm going to save Atlantis by doing this thing, right? Ah he, and he finally gets to be a king, but he's king of the dead kingdom, right? You know, the lost kingdom. He's not a uh, ah it would have been so perfect and so poetic, but you know, hey, whatever. What are you gonna do?
0: Yeah, and you can like, you know, you can even have like a resolution with like the fisher people, right? Like you're, you know, you will serve your sentence in the kingdom of the dead sitting on like you know the frozen throne yeah uh and
1: then you could have in aquaman 3 when aquaman gets super fucked by whatever person he's fighting you could have his brother show up with the army of the dead like in lord of the rings and come full circle (laughs) oh rip aquaman 3 you know what honestly rip the rip the dc extended universe honestly i'm gonna i i believe in james gunn i believe in the future of these movies there's a part of me that's actually kind of worried that just like we're over superhero movies in general like obviously the marvels just tanked so many superhero movies this year have tanked um because also the flash you know blue beetle didn't perform the flash didn't perform um uh quantumania didn't perform um and so there's a part I think of me that the thinks, only
0: movie that performed was
1: guardians right like yeah superhero movie and there's a part of me that's like Guardians is is good. You know, like Guardians was a good movie. Across the Spider-Verse also did well. Um both Guardians and Across the Spider-Verse were good movies. These other movies were not as good. Um so even though I would say that Aquaman is is a cut is in that okay territory. It's a B movie, right? Um uh it's obviously not going to perform. I think most people are over the DC Extended Universe, and frankly, I kind of wonder if people are over like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And maybe James Gunn, when he puts out Superman Legacy, which I'm very excited for, um, is going to reinvigorate things and make new stuff, good stuff, happen. Uh, but maybe he isn't, and maybe He's- we're just kind of moving past superhero movies to, I don't know, brand movies. What what on earth connects Oppenheimer, Barbie? the super mario brothers movies those are the three billion dollar movies this year i think
0: right oh, yeah there, there might even no. be more i think i think part of it is like you know they they are for what it's worth even if they're based on existing properties they are kind of like original-ish is maybe the way to put it at least they're like not they're not sequels right like they're not you know um infinite like this infinite kind of sequel nonsense that we we've, we've been in for for forever. You know what honestly
1: um, uh yeah
0: who, who's playing superman in superman legacy?
1: Uh some new kid. Um I don't remember his name, but he's yeah, he's like a he's like a new kid. He's been in a couple of other things or whatever. Um uh, <laughs> he looks okay. He looks the part. Honestly, there's a lot of little stuff in Superman Legacy that I'm really looking forward to. They casted a bunch of sort of extra superheroes, right? Um so I think the like uh, Guy Gardner as Green Lantern is in there, um, a couple of other just sort of like um, uh, a couple of other characters uh, who are just like it It suggests that this is going to be not a movie about like Man of Steel is like the introduction of superheroes into, into a mundane world, um, but it's going to be a movie about the introduction of Superman into a world full of superheroes, which I think would be... Um, I don't know. I think that's the kind of thing that makes me be like, oh, we can have Superman 1 for the fourth time. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about it not being Henry?
1: I'm okay with that. I love Henry Cavill, obviously, but it would have bothered me, probably, if I'm being honest. Uh, um, especially because this movie seems to look like a Superman is kind of like young and, and getting on top of things, but if it was henry like henry cavill's almost my age right like you know he's right. 37 39 something like that right when he played superman it was in his mid 20s which made sense you know he was pretty young now but now you know he's getting older he's he's getting into that sort of middle age um and so uh i think it would have, it would not have made sense for him to for him to play superman in this kind of like i don't know young upstart story that we think is superman legacy is going to end up being
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we're at, we're I assume we're at the hour mark. We are Wait, at the hour mark. You? Yeah. Um. So, uh, how was your week? How was my week? Um.
1: I played a lot of World of Warcraft, and then I played a lot of factor er, or Satisfactory, and it was in those is in that order. Okay. I was like just living on WoW all of uh like all of last week because I don't know why I just got like my new. You know how I will sometimes get, like, like roped down these sort of project rabbit holes? Um, sure. Where it's just, like, I will become fixated on this thing? I didn't realize that there's a 34-slot bag that tailors can make called Azure Weave Bags, okay? And once I realized that... I could re I could put thirty four slot bags and a thirty six slot reagent bag on all of my characters. I just like I just went into a frenzy in tailoring and I I leveled a bunch of characters who didn't have any professions. I maxed out yeah I didn't max out their tailoring I but I did like give them a whole bunch of you know like tailoring skill points just so that they could funnel those points into azure weaving like azure weave bags um or azure weave cloth i guess um just so they could put out that, that azure weave cloth on to a character who can make the bags and that process if i told you that that process probably represents 10 or 20 i don't know i have no idea what the what the going price for this stuff is these bags can be they're buying down equipped right they can be sold on the auction house I bet if I went to the auction house, they probably wouldn't be that expensive. They would maybe be like a thousand, two thousand gold maybe. And I could just do this whole thing by just dropping like 200,000 gold. I could like get enough bags to do for the rest of my life. Right. But I, but I've specifically not looked up the price and just sort of done the thing because I just want to do it. I just want to do it myself. I just want to like have it all be me basically. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, that's what I've become obsessed with. Also, I've just been running a lot of dungeons. Um, weirdly, healing is, like, my new thing. I'm I've Like, Jean Howe is basically a healer at this point. Um, I am basically never doing DPS, partially because DPS kind of sucks as elemental, which is unfun, but, you know, whatever. Um, it is maybe the worst spec in the game, I would say, that I have played personally, uh, just in terms of, like... If I showed you the, if I showed you the elemental rotation, you would be like, what the fuck? And like the ways you get damage, the way you get numbers out of the elemental rotation are really bad, really awful and, and, and not fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. And so that's, uh, anyway, that's what I've been doing. I've just been playing a ton of WoW.
0: Yeah, no that that, that makes sense. Um, I was actually going to say that like I've actually been enjoying playing when Walker. Um, it's still probably not the most performant class, but the, um, what is it the 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 set bonus basically mixes up the gameplay enough that it feels fresh. Um, for those at home that don't know, uh, essentially when it procs. Um, which can either be, it's always off of, like, a free spinning crane kick, which means you always take that talent. Um, or any, um, any normal hit might get it. It's a powers up your blackout kick, and that blackout kick will, um, reduce, like, three or four cooldowns by a second. Um, and so there's a, this nice balance of, like, well, do I use it here when I'm only getting, like, you know, what do I need to do first? When can I use it? Um, should I be, like, doing my rising sun kick first or not? Like how do I time things out to make it work? And there's, there's a nice amount of like skill increase there and in variety that makes the, makes the rotation a lot more fun for me. So I'm having a blast with it. Um, it feels like there's like room for improvement there essentially. Right. And there's a lot of like decision points. Um, but, uh, I'm also, I'm the reason I am on, uh, I don't have my green screen behind me is, uh, I am not at, at my home. I am with my family for the holidays. Um, and so, um, my game time has been less, but um, I did watch two movies. I watched Saltburn and The Holdovers. Um, Saltburn's uh, a weird movie. Um, it's uh, it's about basically a kid, a poor kid at a, or it's a kid on scholarship at a prep school, befriends like the son of an aristocrat and gets invited to Saltburn Castle, their home for the summer. And it's about like, the weirdness of that family and like um, the intrigue there uh, for the summer and dealing with that and it's a weird movie um, it's a it's int- it's, got, it's got some interesting shots in it it's got some good cinnamon topography as we like to say um, and uh, uh, and the plot's a little bit weird I'm not sure I feel about it at the end of it but it was definitely a thing that was cool to watch once I don't think I'd watch it again but I do think that uh, people should check it out if they if they read the summary and are so inclined. Um, you know we watching. Fu- my... You know what's funny um, is did... uh,
1: the guy. I think mm, maybe is the is this might be the Superman guy, Jacob Elordi. God, where the fuck is his IMDb? Why can't I just click his IMDb? Um. I I'm, is he.
0: Just just oh. to finish my thought out while you look this up. Okay. Um, while we while we were watching it, my brother was was just kind of like, "Oh, everybody's doing this fucking A twenty four coloring now with like the purples and whatnot," <laughs> which I thought was funny. Because um, it's like once he pointed it out, I saw it. But like you know, he my my brother's in that world, so he sees those kinds of things. But anyway, you were you were saying about okay, uh, yes,
1: Jacob Lordy uh, was up for Superman. He is not. He who is Superman in Superman Legacy. It is David Coronsweet. David Coronsweet. Okay. Um Yeah, uh, you know, he has the he has the look. I don't know what the fuck this guy is is from, but, you know, he's he's got the look down.
0: Yeah. Um I also watched uh what's it called uh 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 the holdovers? The holdovers. Yes, the holdovers was was uh, very good. Um, uh, it was it's it, so it's um, Paul Giamatti plays the teacher at a New England Preparatory Academy um, uh, with uh, a handful of students that are left the prep school over uh, winter break um, while all their peers go home because they they can't go home or whatever. Um, they're stuck there, and Paul and Paul Giamatti's character is kind of like a you know uh, a stuck up professor that like doesn't get along with the students and it's it's very heartwarming it's shot like it was like it's like a 70s or 80s coming of age movie um it's very sweet it's a very good christmas movie i absolutely adored it um i would recommend it to everybody i for me i think it's going to be a new christmas classic it's also very new england very boston which kind of like speaks to me at this point in my life right i live it like i you know i'm looking at these shots like do i know these places i didn't but like it looked like every town i passed through at home so you know I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought it was great, and I it was just a ton of fun. Um, very stylish, very kind of period PC. I just thought it was excellent.
1: You know what? Uh, somebody, somebody. Uh, I, I read something about how this is an interesting kind of nostalgia-like uh, phenomenon, right? Um, kind of like digging, digging deep into kind of like this 80s archetype for the holdovers for and for like paul giamatti's character and stuff like that everybody's talking about paul giamatti that's how i knew this movie uh was as Mm. like the paul giamatti um movie and uh because these are a long time ago at this point right like you know 30 40 you know kind of kind of years ago um and it it's not just the like the tone and aesthetic but it's also just like the actual kind of structure of the kinds of movies that came out back then right uh which is like sent me down this rabbit hole of like boy what is it gonna look like when we start to get like 90s nostalgia movies um because the 90s really sucked for movies <laughs> um but yeah it that that like era of like uh i guess we would call them i don't know like slacker slacker's maybe the wrong words Slobs versus snobs is the thing I think about that's like animal House, right mm-hmm. you know you have the uppity or like police academy is also sort of this right um, where you have the like kind of the core conceit for the movie is that you have like a like a a wise guy con man you know kind of comedian getting one up on the the stuffy authoritarian you know whatever authority figure right Ferris Bueller versus that the principal kind of kind of right.
0: Thing. Yeah, it, it, it's not quite that because the, the professor isn't a villain, right? Like, the, like in, in those movies, like, the authority is, is the villain. This is, like, this is heartwarming, right? This mm. is, like, you know, you're not so different, you and I type of deal, right? Like, it's it's, it's very sweet. Um, and part of me wonders if the reason they framed it this way um, is because it is so simple and there's not, like, a lot of kind of, like, there's not a, like, you know a lot of modern conflict in it. I guess I mean there's some parts of it that are like you know oh well you know it needs to be like if it's said here there's no cell phones It makes certain things very easy right um, but also part of it is just like you don't have to touch in any kind of like the or you can get away with some of the avoiding some of the cultural stuff maybe I don't know it's, it's it is it is a very set piece time right like even the people I know that like I know a couple of people we know a couple of people who went to these prep type of prep schools and i'm not convinced it was like this when they went there just because like you know it would have been 30 40 years later right like you know i think this movie technically takes place in ni- yeah uh new year's eve 1971 or, or yeah, new year's day 1971 is like a, a a day in the movie Okay. so you know yeah it's been it's been, it you know obviously there's 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 a lot of time that's passed um uh but you know it's uh it's it's a good movie and I would I would recommend it. I would probably say, like, right, it just left theaters, so the rental is like twenty dollars in Amazon Prime. I would say wait for that. Um, uh, don't rent it for twenty dollars. Wait till it drops to like the normal like eight or whatever. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. You know. Uh, uh, but but uh, I would recommend it to people. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, the other game that I ended up playing uh, was Satisfactory, which is sort of first person Factorio. It's one of these. Um, Monic called these automation games. Do you feel like that's like a, a good genre? Automation games.
0: Yeah, because it distinguishes between something like a Minecraft or a um, what was the one that we, the Viking one that we played for a while. Valheim. Um, Valheim. It distinguishes between like Valheim, in fact, and uh, Minecraft Two between like that and. Like a Satisfactory or a Factorio or uh There's a couple other games of this thing where it's like... It's less about like the creative building and more about like the automation and, and efficiency stuff. Yeah, yeah. There, there there's a weird joy.
1: Like a perfectionist joy that comes out of creating a mathematically perfect system. And... Um, I'm good at that in Factorio, right? Like, I'm good at intuiting the numbers to know, okay, how much iron production do I need in order to fuel this, right? But the thing that I ended up doing was sort of the infinite run factory. Did you ever play Factorio? Yes. Okay. In Factorio, uh, I don't know that this is true. This is what I found to be true. I, I don't know, like, the Factorio meta, right? I found what's called an infinite run factory to be the best way to... For me to organize my factory, which is I have, um, for people at home, this is going to be so hard to visualize, but let's say I have, uh, I have my base and then extending east from my base, I just have long lines on conveyor belts of, uh, stuff, right? The stuff needed to craft other stuff. So screws or I'm not, not, they're not screws. They're, they're, they're bolts, I think actually in, in factorial, right? So iron plates, into bolts, into circuitry, whatever, you know, like whatever that looks like, right? You would have one line that's iron plates and then one line that's bolts and then one line that's, you know, circuitry, right? And whenever I need something, whenever I need a new piece of production for the for the product line, right, what I do is um, I build south of this line and I, I put a splitter into the thing and I just... You know, I I take all of this stuff and then I put the I take the products off the line I assemble them or whatever and then I just have another line that goes north and to put it back into the line as a new line atop all of the other lines that says okay the new thing that I have just crafted inserters this goes on like this line and it is the and it's how my whole factory sort of like runs The Problem with an with an endless run factory is you don't do any you don't do any of these math and I think I actually sort of fell out of love with Factorio because I realized that this is probably the most efficient way to sort of structure things. What you want to do is you just want to oversaturate the shit out of your factory. If you are low on bolts, you just go to that line and you make more bolts at the bottom of it, right? You know, um, if you if you need more iron, you just add more iron production to the input and <clears throat> And make sure that you are just constantly, constantly flowing with resources. That you are for anything that is drawing resources, there is an overabundance of those resources at all times. That you are just constantly flowing through the, you know, kind of through the production line. Satisfactory is less complex than Factorio. Um, it doesn't seem like there is a, there are as many like assembling parts and stuff like that. Um, you know, there are um, fewer sort of like. Stepping stones to kind of valuable pieces, right? So for instance in Factorio in order to build conveyor belts um, You need to build bolts you need to build iron plates you need to build iron rods maybe i don't even remember what the recipe is right um in order to build a conveyor belt in satisfactory you just need one iron plate right if you have an iron plate you can place a conveyor belt if you have a thousand iron plates you can place a thousand conveyor belts and that's actually also true for the more advanced conveyor belts as well right um in factorio in order to make advanced you know in order to make red conveyor belts um you need something in order to make blue the fastest conveyor belts. You need lubrication, right? You need lubricant in order to do that, which is, like, now you have to do, like, fluid dynamics and all this other sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> satisfactory gets rid of all that, right? You you have plates, you have reinforced plates, and then you have steel beams, and that's how you make each of the three levels of conveyor belts, essentially. The place where where Satisfactory gets complicated, though, is the 3D nature of it, right? Because the... The Because it's in first person, the actual production of the thing, right, takes up a whole new access compared to the kind of top-down view on Factorio, where um, you can now stack conveyor belts, right, in order to be efficient with your spacing, right? There are, you know, supports so that you can make a conveyor belt go way in the air over something if you need to do that right um there are um you know there's stuff that you can do about specific places for like inputs and the way curves work and how you knew you like you need to get a thing and curve it into kind of another thing in order to make all this stuff work um and then also anytime you're ever making something it just says right up front how many things per minute you are creating and how many things per minute you need in terms of resources right which means that like when you put a mine down on a normal piece of iron you are producing 60 iron ore in a minute right but your smelters can smelt 30 pieces of iron ore into 30 iron ingots, right? So, okay, for each mine, I have two smelters, right? And then I'm looking at my smelters and I have these iron ingots and it's like, okay, in order to make rods, I need those break down into 15 a minute, right? So it's four constructors for iron rods for one mine for 160 mine, right? And you're just like, you're doing all of that kind of math and it gets really complex and complicated because you also have to split things evenly, right? So now you have one track and you split it into two tracks. Okay, now your two tracks are 30, but let's say you need 20 each. Okay, well now you can split things into three. And it's just like doing all of that math and all of that construction, that's the thing that I sort of lost a little bit by playing Factorio to where I created this infinite run factory. Um, and I am getting it back. I have finally gotten got, I have finally got it back um with um with satisfactory and that feels really good it feels really fun uh so yeah, I don't know that's the game I've been playing
0: very cool how yeah. do you
1: do you like these or do you not like these what are you what, are you, what are you, what's on your, what's oh, on I, your mind I,
0: I have generally liked this style of game. I just don't always like you know have the time to to drop into it right, like, I played, I played a bunch of Factorio, but that was a while ago, um, I just find myself kind of, like, distracted, like, I have less time for gaming now than I historically have, I think part of that's just kind of, like, I watch too much YouTube, so I'm trying to cut that back, but, um, you know, I have nothing against automation games, in fact, you know, as as Monica discussed last week, we're, I'm kind of working on one, so, you know, um, it's uh it's a it's a fun it, it is a fun idea to me it's just the there's a you have to kind of like hit all those numbers right in order for the game to work and so i think that's sometimes the problems right Is like is is if things don't quite line up like you were saying right like if it's too easy to optimize the fun out of the game like what you're, basically what it sounds like to me is happened with you in Factorio i never got that deep in factorio i like basically got to like um, a couple science levels in, and then I, I kind of just I, you know, it's like I put the game down and didn't come back to it, just not because they hated it, but just because they didn't have the time. Um. It feels like this is kind of like very water, water finds a crack, crack type of thing. And if it seems like what you're saying is it's easier to, um, is like basically you, you, there, there's always a part of these games that's like waiting for like enough things to accumulate, and it sounds like that it is. Ideally, the way you have that you'd have your resources the rarity set up such that you have to really optimize to get like a decent rate out of the end state but it, what it sounds like is that like the the um the terminal products part of it is always like takes so much longer to do that the time you send spe- setting up the inputs and like f- over flooding those is always so is always so minimal comparatively that um that like it does never make sense to try and, like optimize those things it's always just like set up as much input as possible and just like you know you'll be you'll be rate limited by by output but that's just kind of like that's always going to be the case you're not really losing anything by just setting up uh you know abundance and input first am i characterizing your complaint correctly that's
1: interesting I think that's kind of true for factorio um and maybe less true for satisfactory for satisfactory I'm caring much more about the rate of conveyor belts so I'm sorry uh, to back this up the conveyor belts have different speeds right and i never right. really intuited this in when it came to factory i sort of just like generally knew that oh if i want to you know i need to do i need more production of of bolts because my my downline of my factory is using too many bolts so I'm going to add more bolts. Well, the thing is if your conveyor belts are moving too slow, you can't actually fuel those that many assemblers, right? You can't fuel enough in order to get the output of bolts. And so the way that you address that is you have faster conveyor belts because your your faster conveyor belts can oversaturate that line of of iron plates coming in in order to put it on the bolts line, right? Um, Satisfactory cares much more about that, it seems like. Um, the conveyor belt Mark One moves 60 things a minute, um, which means that you can never... Pr- so, for instance, screws turn out 40 per. You take one iron rod and it turns into four screws, so te- an input of 10 iron rods creates, um... I just I I just set up this the, I just set up this factory, so I'm using this as an example. Um, it creates 40 screws, right? But that actually sort of is a problem a little bit because if you're only using Mark One lines, it means that one constructor of screws is almost is two thirds of your whole line, right? Um, And so the way that I have had to deal with screws is I'm now going and upgrading the conveyor belts on that line in order to deliver 270 screws per second rather than, you know, what, what I had originally been delivering, which was, um, uh, 180, or I'm sorry, was it 120? Yeah, I guess it does jump high. It goes 61, 20, 270. Um... I wonder what the math behind that is like, but for for whatever reason, that's was like what the math is, and so it's like that process takes like a bunch of time and a bunch of effort, and like optimizing all of that in order to deliver the screws into the terminal products is kind of like I don't know, it's like it's like the thing. Um, I will say the one part about Factorio that sucks about all this stuff. The upside of seeing these rates um, is it lets you get that sort of like optimization pleasure of like yes, I have the most beautifully mathematically perfect system. Great. But it also means that there are times when I look at something and I go, oh my God, I need 50 of these and I am producing two per minute, which means that I just need to wait 25 minutes for me to get 50. And then I dump them in a thing and I move on. Right. Um, And that sort of, I don't know, like that, that sucks. But. I maybe it's just part and parcel with how this how this stuff works. Um, the one other piece of satisfactory that I have not done a ton of uh, i'm obviously I'm playing with Rachel, and so um there's a whole part of satisfactory that's just about exploration and kind of doing third like first person survival craft ship you know running around building a car b- building equipment you know getting a chainsaw to chainsaw down trees you know getting a gun so you can kill wildlife because there's aliens that are trying to kill you you know the process of doing all of that stuff obviously um takes a bunch of time and effort uh i actually yesterday <laughs> rachel built a car and i was like oh my god that's so cool i got in the car i immediately started driving i hit a rock And I flew into the air and then I like fell back down. I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I keep driving. I vault off of another rock out into a bottomless pit that I didn't know was on the other side of this cliff. And I died and I lost the car just like, you know, within 60 seconds of getting into it. And it's like, there's that, you know, I don't know. There's that kind of stuff that also makes this, uh, run. I have just been optimizing our factory basically. Um, And so my whole time has basically been spent doing this, you know, I don't know, doing this like optimization shit.
0: Very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, We should probably get out of here. I also noticed that we forgot to write an announcement for this one. So sorry to anybody who didn't get the... Oh my uh,
1: God, did I not write an announcement? Oh my uh, God, I just didn't press enter. That's embarrassing. Whatever. <laughs>
0: no uh. Well, uh, we also got to get to raids. So I'm going to say, uh, you know, if you'd like to email us about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, email us at gmail.com or podcast. You can follow us at twitch.tv, games or youtube.com slash at These go out live. Rate reviews wherever you can find podcasts. All the links will be down in the description. We are not going to be here next week. We're taking a new year's week off. Um, But, uh, buddy, do you have anything you're looking to promote? Um, I have nothing I'm looking to promote right now. Well, to all the derps out there, enjoy your New Year's. Uh, Until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal
0: listeners.